What's up, everybody? This is the first episode of the Honest Dick Podcast. Uh, what we're going to be doing today is talking to somebody who's definitely a real special guy to me. Uh, I've known him for a couple of years, and over that time, we've grown pretty close. Uh, in my personal opinion, I think after hearing his story, you'll find a lot of reasons that he's someone you want to emulate. Uh, the way he handles adversity and issues in his life is, is something that's few and far between in the people that I've ever met. Um, you know, with that being said, we are going to be talking about cancer. He did uh, overcome cancer so far so good. I do also want to state that after this podcast, he has had one checkup, and on that checkup, he was cancer-free. Um, and it's amazing, you know. I, I take a lot from this guy, and um, honestly, it's somebody I look up to when I'm trying to get over something that's hard for me. And just shows me that, you know, shit isn't as hard as we make it sometimes. And if we just get out of our own box and get out of our own head, might be happy with the results. So, here we go. Hope you guys enjoy episode one of the Honest Dick Podcast. Take care. Did you get that chair from the living room? Yep. I'm sorry, Dave. I know you took a long time. Oh, to explain... I'm house-sitting two dogs this week, and David so graciously is uh, having me record my podcast here in his spare bedroom that has a terrible bed. That's what Mike's referencing, too. Using pieces from the podcast kit that sat here for six months untouched. Yeah, we've been trying to do a podcast now for a long time, and it just didn't come together. But Wouldn't you know the one time Dave's not around, we actually string it together and and we're doing it at dave's house dave's not even here Fuck you dave <laughs> i love you dave i know you you're probably gonna be the only one to listen so i love you anyway dream until your dreams come true today i have a very special guest on someone who will probably have a regular appearance on here but he's here for a very specific reason do you want to introduce yourself um michael meyer Love life, and uh, don't really know what else to say about myself right now. So, uh, <laughs> we're here to talk about cancer today. You know why we're here. We are talking about. Meanwhile, my boss is buzzing in, and I'm not going to answer it. No, we're not answering that. We're not answering that. Yeah. We're talking about cancer. So, when were you first diagnosed? I was diagnosed July 4th of 2000s, not July 4th, July 10th of 2017. I was going to say, damn, that's a terrible day to find out. Yeah, ain't it? 4th of July, July 10th. Okay. And what was the official diagnosis? Um, testicular cancer, I don't know the 100%, 100% specifics, but I uh, had a tumor in two different places and they I think that's what they call it stage two and the stages are determined by the amount of organs it's spread to so um, I had the and then I had how many so stages stage, are there there's state there's four stages of can of testicular cancer and okay. the stages each have their own degrees a B and C so I had stage 2c testicular cancer and that's because I had it in two places and then the type of cancer that was in my blood was, like, I had high enough uh, T 
cancer markers in my blood to like for this tumors to spread is essentially what the 2C means. Okay. So basically so I had it in two places and it had the potential to spread to more. Okay. So <clears throat> when you found out were you at this appointment by yourself? Yes. So the emergency room story and there's a lot of build up. So essentially I had been hurting in my balls like pretty bad for probably the details waver but honestly probably like three months or so to where like it constantly felt like I had been kicked in the nuts and that that was stupid number one and then it got to the point where I could feel like a nodule and hadn't like gone to see anybody about it so I went to the emergency room like finally like, urgent care I finally got the balls to go I didn't mean to say that but <laughs> <laughs> I fuck I finally got, I finally got the balls to go oh man that's the dead joke of the podcast yeah I finally got the balls to go and um I went to the, it happened to be this little, uh, like, Asian doctor, and I almost felt violated because they, like, brought in, uh, like, male to stand with her while she checked my balls out, and I guess it's, like, a policy at that, because people oh, okay. are creeps, and they're, like, at emergency rooms, they probably, there's pe- people who probably go there to try and get their balls grabbed. So, so why, why'd you have to tell us she was Asian? Because it was just hilarious to me, dude. Did you think it had something to do with the fact that she was Asian? (laughs) That there was a guy standing over her? Like, she probably knows how to do this the best. Like, it was a learning experience for him. Something like that. No, he was not. I'm not going to lie. That's what went through my head at first. He wasn't a resident. He was there to protect her in case I was a pervert. Sorry for my potential Asian. He wasn't like a bodyguard, but he was a nurse and she was a doctor, so he wasn't like learning. Okay, okay, all right. I don't think you have to do much observing when you're just fondling testicles. I don't think you need to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I think everybody kind of gets the gist. They might be able to demonstrate that in a classroom. I don't think you have to see that. That's the day you skip. (laughs) <laughs> so you just see your first pair on your own. Nobody's there to help you, and you just are there to face the balls on your own. Oh my god! So I described to her the pain I've been having, and um, also what started to happen, and it will all make sense in the end. But I started to have severe lower back pain, and I worked in an office at a desk job all day, and like didn't think much of it. But I had been having like way more than normal and I'm athletic and flexible and so I'm like stretching it out and like it doesn't really help and it's I'm like oh finally like ever just making the the hard ass jokes where you're like it's hurting but you're like oh I'm just getting old and blaming it on work and blaming it on being out of shape because I had gained some weight so I just found all the excuses in the world that it wasn't something serious and what ultimately made me end up going in was fucking um, the nodule, like, that, and then, so, she, um, after I, was it affecting when you would nut? Yeah, at a certain point, it would, um, like, when the last girl I dated, and shout out to her, I'm sure she's never gonna listen to this, so I could probably name her name if I wanted to. No, no, no names. (laughs) No names. No names. But, um, Don't want her to come up off us. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Come up off our skills. Yeah, so, um, 
it had hurt and like almost gave me some erectile dysfunction to where it, to the point where like I would be fucking her and it just wasn't enjoyable for me. Like I would go soft and I like felt real bad because she was hot and like I was like going soft. I'm 25 years old going soft in the middle of sex and my nut hurts like I fucking had the worst blue balls in the world. God damn. So, Holy shit. So it wasn't even her. So I guess it was two girlfriends ago. So I it was the next girl who was a bigger freak and was just all over me all the time and like was grabbing my nuts and shit. She like felt it herself and I had it started to swell up at a certain point like after soccer games and stuff. So it was like triple its size and I had a huge nodule on it and everything I was re- reading on WebMD was telling me to go in. So finally way after i should have and for honestly like if anybody does listen to this shit if you have any sort of testicular pain that persists for more than a week go in there's no excuse not to like there's something wrong like period whether it's a quick little infection or just like your nut got twisted like there's serious shit that could happen like your testicles can get twisted and cut off the circulation and they'll have to cut that bitch out because it'll die so, like, there's shit that, like, you shouldn't play around with, and your nuts are definitely one of them. So, anyway, the girl checks me out, the woman, doctor, whatever, Asian lady. For the record, playing with your dick is fine, but be careful with your balls. Yeah. <laughs> be careful. Just don't beat so aggressively and no lube that you start to bleed, dude. That's kind of sketchy, and you might have a problem. <laughs> but I just sit on mine a lot. I think it's because I'm getting old. You're like that chick that you... You dated that uh, likes getting sit on, dude. Oh man, <laughs> no, I I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. We we can end we've that. got him. We can take him. that in post. <laughs> we've got him. We can take that in post. Um, <clears throat> no. So I gotta finish my story of that. Yeah, no, here. I know, I know. We just have to have some comedic relief because it's it's gonna get heavy in here. No, dude, you just gotta dive straight into it. We're going like anything in. Anything else? Just rip the bandaid off. All right, fuck. We're going in. Alright, so, um, she, uh, she feels me up, and she's like, okay, it could either, they think I have a hernia, that's what I thought I had, and that's what I was hoping I had, so, and then the symptoms somewhat match up, testicular pain, swollen, ball sack, that kind of shit, so I'm like, okay, probably just have a hernia, like, this might suck, but it's not the end of the world, and... So I automatically, their response is, go get a, um, what's it called, uh, what pregnant women get, uh, ultrasound. So you get an ultrasound on your nuts, and you get warm KY jelly spread across your balls by whatever nurse they happen to have. Some people get lucky, like myself, and this woman happened to actually be somewhat attractive, so that she's experienced, she knows what she's doing. She gives me a towel, and I'm just in a in a medical gown at this point. So I put the towel over my dick, and she tells me to like put it up to the side, and like keep it away from my balls, so she can check my balls out with the ultrasound. So warm ultrasound jelly, somewhat hot nurse, me laying down, holding my dick in my hands. What what the fuck do you think happened? So you got a boner. I started to get wood, and I, like, lurched up, like, slightly, just like, oh, oh, and she, like, knew what was up. She knew what was up and stopped doing it, and she's like, are you okay? And then I laid back down, got it over with, 
held it together the second time around. And I could tell she was like spending an awkward amount of time on the nut that hurt. And I could tell, I'm like, you, you're going over that one way more than the other one. Like you see some shit. So I'm nervous already, and like, but it kind of feels weird in a weird way. It kind of feels good in a weird way. So I'm like, whatever. And then I walk out of there, find it feeling even more violated. So at this point, three people have seen my cock and balls. I'm scared shitless of what the fuck's going on. Like, oh, I'm gonna have to have hernia hernia surgery. Like something's gonna happen. So still not thinking that it's cancer at this point. Go back into this, and I'll never forget it. Probably a room smaller than this room we're in right now with a hospital bed. And uh, same color walls with just, like, no bullshit, like, signs of, like, the anatomy. And, like, there's, like, a nut sack right next to me, like a plastic one just looking me in the face. And um, she, like, it takes probably a half hour to 45 minutes for her to come back in. And you, when she came back in, you could tell she was, like, nervous. She was, she had never had to give someone this kind of news before. So she's being pretty awkward, and she has a bunch of pamphlets in her hand. And, like, in this, at this moment, I'm still not thinking in the back of my head, like, oh, I have cancer. So I'm thinking, like, STD, something dramatic's going to happen. You can, you feel the energy in the room. Probably seems way longer than it was. But right. I actually, she goes, she's like, well, you'd have a mass on your, like, on your left testicle. And generally what that means 95% of the time is that you have cancer. And I held it together, and immediately after she said it, she's like, I'm going to go get your uh, follow-up appointments set up with the specialists that, like, in that field and to go make sure. So I had to go see another doctor to, like, confirm the inevitable so, um, I lose it right after that point, like, when she closes the door, and I think it tells you a lot about yourself, the first person you call, and I called my sister, and I said, like, you're gonna want to sit down for this, and I had, I've never broken bad news to my sister, really. She's like, what, just say it, and I'm like... Like, she probably in her head thought I, like, got some girl pregnant or something like that. Like, something not, like, what I was about to say. And I was, like, I just, I don't remember what I said exactly, but just something in, like, sobbing of, like, I have cancer. And I, like, as soon as I said it to her, I couldn't keep my shit together. And, like, the doctor comes in in the midst of me bawling my eyes out. And, like, I tell my sister, like, like, so my sister doesn't have any answers yet, doesn't know what is going on. All I say is I have cancer. Doctor comes in. I hang up on my sister. She's blowing right. me up while I'm talking She's calling you back rapidly, yeah, trying to get on the phone. frantically. And oh. I remember, like, and then after her, I, like, got the pamphlets I needed and got the phone numbers I needed to call to, for the next steps. And it's just fucking, like, the feeling of going outside after that. Like, you just got that news. You have the pamphlet in your hand. 
it was a beautiful sunny day like it's july mid-july in ohio like the most beautiful weather you'll ever find clear skies blue skies and i just look up and in the weirdest way i felt like so so cliche to say but fucking i felt like liberated like i was fucking free like because like you are really only in that in that moment all the bullshit falls out and if i could grasp that perspective every day and live like that i would love that but like it's that's what like you should feel all the time and it sounds fucked up like i was terrified sad like, but then all that mattered in that moment was I was, like, outside and, like, I didn't give a fuck about going back to work. I didn't give a fuck about nothing. I was like, dude, like, you hear about this shit all the time. And then in that moment, it's you. And it's just you and that thing that you're fighting against. And you're like, oh, fuck. Like, it's it was just, I don't know why I remember it as a pleasant experience. But it was, like, disbelief combined with, like, how nice of a day it was. And I'm just like, okay. Like, here I am. <laughs> now, yes. was it was it the fact that you were grappling with your own mortality for the first time that was kind of invoking that feeling? Because, I mean, at the time... From your perspective, obviously you knew you had cancer. You knew you had to get surgery. You knew it had the ability to spread. But you didn't truly know the extent of it. I didn't know shit about it at that point, honestly. Right. I didn't know shit about the disease. I didn't know shit about, like, what I had to do, what my next steps were. What, sur- like, I didn't even know. I didn't, honestly didn't even believe that I truly had cancer yet. Like, it was still half in my mind, like, oh, I gotta go see this specialist to, like, make sure I don't, like, they didn't just fuck up. But, um, so that's, I'm still holding on to hope at that point, and that's all it was. Like, I was scared, but I didn't, never did death cross my mind, like, never did, like, it wasn't, like, a life or death death experience in that moment, because it's not, like... It's not like I'm going to die the next day. Like, she didn't say anything like that. Like, she didn't say anything about, like, life expectancy or anything crazy. She did a very good job of deflecting, like, any questions I might have. Because she she deflected to the expert in that field. And they never... They always want you to get a second opinion anyway, because they don't want to be the person that's wrong. But my immediate thought was, alright, I gotta go talk to my sister so I can tell my mom because I didn't have the balls to tell my mom like I didn't fucking like want to have that conversation yet like I was like holding out and my sister got pissed and was like dude you have to tell mom because my mom's a nurse number one and number two like she'd be fucking so mad if I didn't tell her Both just took a water break. Yeah. Let's not do that next time. <laughs> now, so you had this the meeting with the specialist. Mm-hmm. Now, um, I kind of wanna I kind of wanna fast forward to there. Mm-hmm. And when you were when you were meeting with the specialist, were you already going over what your treatment was going to be because they had access to your ultrasound? Or 
did the UFC get more scans with this specialist? He had a, he had access to my ultrasounds, and they were gonna. They told me right away that they don't biopsy testicles. So like normally, cancer procedure, if you have a tumor, what they suspect a tumor is, they'll go in and do what's called a biopsy, where they basically stick a big ass needle into you and try and get some of the tissue from the tumor, and then test it, and then you're left on this waiting game. But like my guy and the reason I did the surgery with him is because he's for whatever odd reason he's a test like he's a I'm not sure what the specialist name is for it but he like anything to do with like the pelvic region on a male or female he deals with it so he's dealing with like when people have urinary tract infections when they have prostate problems stuff like that so he's seen it all, and he's like, yep, you have cancer. Like, He's the it. master testicle surgeon. Yeah. So he fucking, he does it in like a split second. Feel, he touches me for probably five seconds. And then my mom's in the room at this point because she's all freaked out, and I'm getting my balls checked out in front of my mom. I'm like, this is fucking weird. And like, boom, like that. Like, he's like, yep. He's like, yeah, that's a tumor. And... It was so, he was so calm, and it, I'm thankful for that, and he was very, he had a great bedside manner, and he, like, reassured me, and at that point, I had, like, my cousin was is an, uh, an ER doctor, so she had, like, prepped me for what the worst case scenario was, and it was just kind of like the beginning of the fight, where when you're backed into a corner like that, and you have no choice on what is in front of you, that's where I thrive the most, probably. Like, and I feel like I may need to, like, put myself in that position more now after experiencing it again, because that's how I got through, like, the biggest, the biggest mountains I've climbed in my life, I've just fucking zeroed in on that goal. And it's, it's harder with, when you have more going on, but when you have no choice and, like, you know that, like, because you have cancer, all of a sudden you have the excuse to, like, focus on only one thing and only one thing matters. Now you have an excuse to do that. It makes it so easy. It makes it so black and white. You just fucking... That's just my mentality. I was never going to be defeated by that moment. I was like, fuck it. Like, all right. I guess, like, I have no choice. Either die or, like, fight this thing. And honestly, you're not the only one of my friends that's had testicular cancer. But the reason I wanted to interview you about it over them was just your demeanor. And that's something that was present in you that, with them, they were extremely defeatist. And I, I saw it negatively impact the rest of their life just by the way they were thinking. And I know that I'm not trying to say that positive thinking or mm-hmm. there's magic healing in that or anything yeah. like that. I think just when you have that frame of mind, your pain threshold, your your tolerance to a shitty situation just goes up tenfold. Um, and that's So that's one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you about it. So... He says to you, okay. I appreciate that, by the way. Hey, no problem. So let me ask you about that. Okay. What, so did they, like, take that as, uh, like, a, like they felt bad for themselves, and that's why you didn't like yeah. the way they approached it? Yeah. Um, th- it was more of a pity 
uh, situation. Do you feel like they fed into the sympathy that they got? I wouldn't say that. I think that it was more of like, um, it's weird. It almost struck me as like an old timey, like you see a meteor go overhead and you're like, oh, the gods are mad at us. It was more like of like a, you know, defeat. you know, because I did the X, Y, and Z, I deserve this. And it was, it was so strange. Yeah. It was like almost weird. Um, they were really, they just, they were so accepting of it that defeatist is the only thing I could call it. Whereas your whole demeanor from the beginning was, this ain't shit. Yeah. And I think that's my, like just having a support group like i have really good friends and i have like an amazing family that's just incredibly like for as much as i like everybody says this but for as much as i get pissed at them like they're they i'm i'm spoiled like i have parents that have been married forever like have kind of toughed out marriage in general just to make their kids lives easier and like it's paying off in their old age and um like that support combined with just I've had family members that have gone through it and I've been through a lot of shit that I feel like there was a lot of stuff in my life that had led up to me being able to handle that the way it I did like I had just been tested in weird ways my whole life do you think um your participation in sports and team mentality and that kind of exposure the way you it was ingrained into you, do you think that had any impact on the way that you tackled cancer? I think, in a weird way, the media and, like, how much it's been publicized, like, people who fight it well. Right. It's kind of taken away a little bit of the, like, like Grim Reaper mentality that people used to have about cancer. Like, now it's, like, okay and encouraged for you to document your fight and, like, your success and, like... It uh, it was just another opportunity to show off, basically. Like I like doing things that like impress people, and I was like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna beat cancer, dude." Dude, it was impressive. I remember we went to you actually drove up to my job, after they had already taken your nut. Um, and we'll get there in a minute. Oh yes, yeah. But you drove up to my job, and you were like, "Yeah, you gonna buy me some drinks?" <laughs> and you're sitting there. You 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 look at me, and you look at the lady. There's this really nice older lady. She's working at the bar. Uh, shout out to Applebee's if you want to sponsor us. Yeah. Two for twenty all day, baby girl. Yo, Two the for twenty sticks. all day. The monsters. Holla, half price apps. All right, but um, this just great old lady, older lady. I wouldn't say old, just older. She was, like, middle-aged, 40s. Um, he looks at me, and he goes, you think if I tell this bitch I got cancer, we could get our drinks for free? I'm like, what? <laughs> no. And we're not doing that. I'll pay for them. You're like, man, this shit's going to be expensive, man. I guess I get some, something, man. <laughs> and you were just joking with me, trying to yeah. get me to laugh, because you had just gotten on, like, a 10-minute serious conversation mm-hmm. about what we're about to get into now. And it, it was, I remember just laughing hysterically and being like, man, you handle this better than I do. Yeah. As, as someone who's close to you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that's how it was for a lot of people. And in a weird way, I had, I had to be the stability for other people while I had cancer. And like, I see that now in my buddy's aunt who has cancer. I just went to like her, she threw a gratitude party. 
So I threw a fundraiser. This woman threw a gratitude party in the midst of her treatment, like paid for catered food and like balled out to throw a party to say thank you to the people that have supported her. So like that was some cool shit. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Okay, now I want to go I want to go to the treatment options. At this point, he's telling you, okay, for sure we got to get your ball out. You know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And at this point, he says, you know, this should be treatable, right? But there's a chance it could still spread. Shit you already knew. Is that kind of what he tells you, or how does that go? Take me through that part of it. I want to know when he's talking about your treatment options, because I want to segue into something that we talked about around that time, and I thought it was really interesting. So let's let's go from there. I hope I hit your segue, but uh, what he talks about is he goes into man. There's so much like thinking back on the memory of that time. Now is really blurry because of just how much was going on in my head and like at that moment. Oh yeah, it was a clusterfuck. Yeah, and like so he's he's sitting there and there. So my like. My and shout out to mom. Mom Dukes was there, and she uh, she asked. She's like, "What is the next step?" And um, we're sitting there and just having like a little sit down chat with the doctor, and he's like, "I want to get it out of there as soon as possible." And I think within twenty four hours, I was scheduled to have surgery. He's like, "Go to my uh, secretary." And she'll set you up, and we'll schedule you to get that thing out of there. And um, Wow. So he sends me downstairs to get blood work, and then he tells me, like, we need to get it out of there. That's the first priority. Then we need to test it to determine what your treatment's going to be. So they send me for blood work downstairs in the hospital, and then he tells me that the next day I'm going into surgery, and then he tells me to go get my blood test. Boom, boom, boom. Just like that. And I'm like, oh, fuck. That's so how you I, know. And I call my girl, and I'm like, and I'm like, uh, like we had just started dating too, and it's a girl I've known my whole life, and she's like, she's like, really, like, and she had told, she's the one who, the reason why I went in. So shout out to her for sure. Like she's doing her thing, just moved to freaking who knows where with who knows who, and she's uh she's doing her thing and she was the one who told me like go get that shit checked out so we don't want them coming up off our name man we don't want them coming up off our name <laughs> yeah so um, well, shout out shout like out I'm shout out the, to them <laughs> yeah talking like i'm in the mob and shit but uh <laughs> oh, man. who knows who and who she's, knows where she's going places she's doing things <laughs> drinking out of cups gonna put a name in lights i'm gonna see a name in lights kid <laughs> so uh i call her and then i like i go in to get my blood work done and boy do you get used to getting your fucking blood drawn real quick there's shout and shout out to the good nurses who don't hurt you when they prick you that's the worst that shit is so underrated or when they can't hit a vein yeah i don't want the old shaky lady putting that shit sometimes you do though sometimes she's got the groove and she knows oh man i'll take an old nurse with a little bit of a shaky hand over a young nurse who looks ready any day Uh because the shaky hand she's gonna take her time and she's gonna hit it perfectly you're not even gonna feel it you're not even gonna feel it and I love I love it, it when they're talking. So fast. She 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 makes a comment, strikes a yeah, conversation, loops, swoop, pull, and that you. shit's in there, and you're like, woo! 
she got She's the like, high she got the high blood flow going too. Like the other one, the ones that stick you, those ones don't flow as well either. Like they don't fill up the thing as fast. So you're like you're like you fucked up all around. Yeah. This was just a bad experience, and then that fucks up your whole day. It's but, true. So I, I remember this day very well too, because one thing that's cool is like everybody feels bad for me, so I'm getting a lot of free food. So my mom's like, "You want any food?" Like I'm getting catered to, and that's that's nice. That's nice. It's like being a little kid again. But oh I'm getting catered too. I'm not paying for my food, so I get like this extra large freaking. You know when you go to the like um, sub places that aren't Subway, and you can get like the three different sizes of sandwiches. I was beefing up. I was like, fuck it, I got cancer, I'm going to eat. Isn't that the place you tried to take me? Debella's? No, I think you took me at Jersey Mike's. Yeah, that place ain't the shit. Debella's Not No shout out to Jersey Mike's. Go ahead. Shout out to Bella's. They're all right. If you know what to order. Shout out Jersey Mike's Mike's if you'll pay for us. Shout out. (laughs) If not, no shout out. Hey, man, no more shameless plugs. This place is, this thing's going to be huge. Dude, I love shameless plugs. <laughs> They're the best. Those are the best kinds of plugs. I don't want real plugs. You were talking about prongs and shit earlier. I was thinking about a bizarro world where people, the men have prong dicks and fucking women have the holes that on microphones. It got me pretty freaked out. And that's going to be where we start this show. <laughs> okay, so you go in, you get it out. You got the nut out. You're getting it tested. You get your results. So let's talk about the surgery. So I go into the surgery, and this is where I get my first real experience of what uh, what the health industry is all about. So I go into the surgery center. It's an off-site sur- surgery center. Like, kind of thinking back on it now, like, I should have been, like, worried about the setup of this place. So it's like this private practice surgery center. And it's, the doctor has been doing his thing forever, so I trust him. And it kind of makes sense that it was like an old school place, like older nurses. And like, so they have me put down a $360 copay. And I'm just like, all right, swipe it, fuck it. I don't care about anything at this point. So I'm sitting in the waiting room with my mom, like not really worried about anything at this point. And like I go in there and that's when it starts to set in. Like you got to change. And it's an outpatient outpatient surgery and it's, pretty invasive for an outpatient surgery if you ask me so damn so i did not know that yeah so they um they put me in and they like go through the you got to go through the rigmarole with the um with the anesthesiologist and answer all her questions and talk about like when like the last time you pooped was and stuff so um she's talking to me and that's when i'm starting to get scared like, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, like, oh, shit, I'm about to get my nut out, dude. And then, that, like, just goes silent. And at this point, I'm just looking forward to them putting me out. Like, I like that feeling where, like, you just basically black out. You have no hangover. And, uh, like, you you disappear for a second. And then you come back and your nut's gone. So, like, I come ba- come to and I hear, like, my doctor. That's the first thing that comes to mind. Like, he's... This dude's a machine. Like, he's uh, talking to patients on the phone in between. Just Like, he just took my nut out. Like, just did, like, a quick, like, I think hour and a half long surgery probably. And went in, took my nut out. And, like, he's probably, like, he's doing, like, a recording. Like, recording himself about my surgery. 
and then talk like picks up the phone to like so he's not sounds like a salesman like that's how busy he is but he's a, a surgeon so it's just like a way of life for him because i couldn't imagine could you ever imagine like being like hung over or like what the fuck do doctors do i'd be so nervous like how do they live their lives fuck, man everything i do i'd be like i need to not fuck up tomorrow like that's so much anxiety yeah, I mean, that's, I can't even, honestly, I couldn't comprehend it. Like, you got, you can't have an off day. You don't get to have a bad day as a surgeon. Like. You just gotta make sure you keep that, rest it on your lap. You get it too close, and then you gotta keep adjusting your level. Get really loud, and then it's like, fucking. I get excited. Dude. I know. You just talk loud, like, you, like, with emphasis, like uh-huh. you normally do. And you sound perfect with that, like, right where it is, basically. Okay. Okay, so you wake oh, up, talking about you come into, come yeah. to, he's like a salesman, okay. Yeah, so I'm, I'm talking to, or I'm listening to the doctor talk, and he's like, almost in a weird way, like bringing me back up, and I'm like, I'm, be, I'm like, fuck, and I'm panicking at this point, and I like, I like, hear this old lady, um, freaking out, that's, she's like, she's like, I want more cookies. I want more coffee. And they're it's an outpatient place, so they're like, "You've been here for three hours. Like you have to leave." And I like, as immediately when I wake up, and keep in mind I have a six or seven inch incision, all the way through to like my inside, like on my belt line, like underneath, like, mm, like right up into the left of my dick. So it goes from like right at my belt line to like right above my dick. And I uh like I don't really realize how serious it is and I have stitches all through there. And I stand up and it like I'm still numb and like but woozy off this shit and I'm like limping real bad. And I'm like oh fuck. And I but it's still not hurting that bad cuz I'm still numb and things like that. So I, like, limp my... They, like, let me get straight up and put my clothes on. And as soon as I put my clothes on, I leave. And this is all within, like, five, ten minutes of me waking up. Like, they didn't even give me anything to drink or eat yet. And I'm just being a hard ass at this point. Like, still being a hard ass. And I go out and, like, have my sister help me to the car. And in the car ride, it started to hurt. Like a motherfucker. So the drugs started to wear off. Mm Mm-hmm. And then getting into my house, I couldn't move. Like, I could not move. Like, trying to get into my house, it hurt so bad. And then I just laid down and probably slept. Like, in a weird way, those are, like, my favorite times when I'd come back from surgery. And, like, literally nothing in the world at that point matters but you and the sleep. Like, you're just ready for the sleep. (laughs) And I just slap my headphones in and I just go to sleep. And, um... Probably was down for, like, four days and then immediately went back to work. Like, nothing had ever happened. Like, before my incision was even ready, like, I was I was at work with, like, a not-healed-at-all, like, wound. <laughs> Just covered up with, like, gauze and tape. Bleeding in that shit. Like, that thing got infected. Like, it was, it did not, it's impossible to heal because it's right on your waistline. So it kept breaking open, like, that was kind of, like, the healing process of that was kind of gross. So, you get results. 
Yeah, so I wait, and I forget how long it was. Maybe, like, I think, like, a full week to ten days. It, no, I remember. I remember it was it was over a week. I, it was more than ten days. Yeah. Because on the ninth day, you were talking to me at the office about it. And you were like, bro, they still haven't called me back. Yeah. And I, like a fucking fool, and I will I will always take blame for this, and I'll never say it to another person in my life. I said, oh, man, if they don't call you back within a week, you're fucking good. Yeah. And you're like, really, bro? You know that? And I was like, bro, I've been in the medical system. I know that. I don't really say bro that much. Yeah. But I like to say it when I'm... You know, reminiscing, and it really messed it really messed me up when, you know, mm-hmm. you get this phone call. So you finally get the phone call. It's like yeah, maybe a little over ten days. Yeah, and at this point, I still like kind of think that I might not have cancer and might be cured. Blah blah blah. Yeah, you definitely were like, yeah, this is good. Yeah, we're good. So a lot of the time with testicular cancer, like that's it. Like, that's all you need, and you just get away with just getting the initial tumor on your nut out, and then people just walk around with one nut, and that's, the that's like, par for the course almost when you catch it early. But when you let it sit in your system, like I did, and um, it spreads as rapidly as it did, um, he told me that when he took it out, like, they told me I still had active cancer, like, for sure. And they told me that it had most likely spread because they didn't take out the spermicidal cords, which are connected to your nut, which I think is absolutely ludicrous. Like, why the fuck did you leave that shit in me? So he took it out, and they tested it, and I, there's a name for it, but it's a certain type of tumor in a certain way the tissue grows. And um, so it just they knew it was going to spread. And it was pretty big. I forget the size of it, but it was, like, almost as big as my nut itself, like, the tumor. Like, so my, I had just a double nut down there on my left nut. And, um, so they take it out, and they tell me I still had cancer inside of me, and that I would need to go see an oncologist about my plan. And the first oncologist I go to pissed me off. And I knew right away I wasn't going to go with him. And he said something to the point of, oh, had you left this in your system another two weeks, you probably would have died. And, like, I could just tell by his attitude, I was like, I don't want to work with this guy or see him ever again. So I'm sitting there, and he says this in front of my mom, and he says this, like, like pretty much way too matter-of-factly, like, didn't even have my real um, CD from my scans, like, didn't have that shit in front of him, like, didn't really know what the hell he was talking about, so I'm like, fuck this guy, and my sister looks up, well, he recommends a new doctor, and, um, Dr. Gilligan, I can use his name for sure, go see him, he's the best, he dresses real fucking well, he's a G. Shout out to Doc Gilligan. Yeah, I think it's kind of funny. So, he's the best dressed doctor that I've ever seen. And, man, he's just another, like, just good, someone who knows how to speak to people in my situation. It's, like, par for the course with him. He's, like, 
first thing he says to me, and I tell him what the other doctor had said that kind of rubbed me the wrong way, that I had almost like, that I would have died, blah, blah, blah. He doesn't say anything like that, and I don't ever think it was really truly that serious, and maybe I could just be fooling myself, honestly. But he's he just breaks down what the plan is, and I had a pretty straightforward, very aggressive chemo treatment plan because I was young and in good shape, which a lot of the people with my condition are. Like, it hits 25 to 35 in males, so... You're in a lot. A lot of them are in the prime of their life at that point. So, like the most aggressive treatment plan is to do, I think, like three months straight of chemo every day of the week. For like just, uh, probably five to eight hours a day. But you don't accept this right away, right? There was a time here. Where I remember we were having a, a talk about this, and they told you that this is what they wanted to do. Yeah, and I didn't, like, I took a little while to decide if it was what I wanted to yeah. do. Like, I scheduled it, and it was, like, looming in the distance, but I had actually, the craziest thing was I got a call from, like, an XXX girlfriend. Like, this girl's obsessed with me, and, like... This is, I think this is, yep, I think you're about to talk about the person I wanted to talk about. Yeah. Go ahead. So, um, her dad calls me. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, oh, man. I'm talking to him, and I'm trying to feel out, like, what this guy's trying to get at. And essentially, he tells me, like, one of the, threw me off so bad, and it's probably a lie, thinking about it now, but he says, like, my, uh, a friend of mine got diagnosed with testicular cancer, ended up dying six months later. I'm like, what? Like, thinking in the back of my head, like, why the fuck would you call me and tell me that? So, starts talking about a lot of the stuff I had done research on, and it made sense. Like, but in general, like, holistic health ideals on, uh, sorry, my Chipotle is not digesting very well, but, uh, going to, uh, what was he really harping on? So, he said things like 15 minutes of sunshine a day and Didn't no sugar. Didn't he say something about a special water? Or you should have, like, oh, yeah, alkaline should, water, mm-hmm, I think is what you said. Drink alkaline water because cancer <laughs> can't grow in a, like, it can't grow in a uh, non-pH state. Like, it has to be... Yeah, like, stupid doctors. How do they not know this? Yeah, and I'm These thinking... stupid my, doctors... Mm-hmm. And <laughs> Don't it, you know you can just treat cancer with water? And I, I, th- I thought about it, and I like did some research on what he was talking about, because the way he approached it, you could tell the guy was a good salesman, because he sold himself even on the treatment, and really what it boiled down to is that he had lost his mother, and he was like beside himself because he's a guy who's like well off and ne- probably never made too many bad decisions in his life. Like, he's just, uh, he's doing, he's doing well for himself. And, uh, he couldn't fix his mom. So he went on some crazy, like, going back and thinking on how he could have done better. And he's, like, he's telling me all these supplements that he takes on a regular basis and stuff like that. And, like, some of what he was saying I truly believe in is good just for general health-wise. 
but I think what's starting to be come to the forefront is that there's just healthy habits that are pretty simple that a lot of people don't do. And that's what, like, talking to him taught me that, and then, like, just he had gone too far to the point where he had, like, you, there's a lot of easy ways to do bias research, like, to where you can chase yourself down. Them. It's easy to find biased information. Yeah, so it's easy to, like, fall into that rat hole of, like, what you think is, like, helping your case. And it's similar to, like, when I did research, when I was getting diagnosed, a lot of what I was reading on WebMD and stuff like that, I could have convinced myself of anything. And there's some people that go, like, that way when they, like, start doing research on, like, things that they've been diagnosed with. And I think that can be a lot of the reason why people suffer is because they don't get the real answers. Like, they trust the wrong sources. They believe what other people tell them. Like, that conversation that he had, what I, what I came off as, like, a scare tactic to me for like he was like trying to get me to take it seriously and like trying to like think I wouldn't take it seriously and I didn't I don't think he was so much trying to talk me out of doing chemo but I think he was trying to talk me out of like yeah he was trying to talk me out of doing chemo that's what I was yeah Yeah. I was was like don't even don't even try and save him I'm not trying to sugarcoat it don't try and save him (laughs) Yeah, now that I think Holistics about it. Holistics is bullshit. He was... This is a PSA. Okay. No, let me Let me clarify. Let me clarify, okay? This is a PSA. Alright? There's natural medicine that becomes real medicine. Okay? What they do is, a group of scientists, when they think something's gonna help people, they test it. And then, if they can show, across the board, in peer-reviewed science... That it works, it becomes real medicine. Everything else is bullshit. Just because your sister's aunt's sister's cousin, brain was proven. It's peer real medicine. It's peer reviewed. It's peer reviewed to have good effects for certain things. That's not the same thing as saying it's uh, cures cancer. Yeah. I don't think I would. I'm not endorsing it as a cure for mm-hmm. a, a disease that is spilled over to, you know, s- affect like 66 percent of people. No, fuck that. Yeah, but I'm saying he was definitely trying to pitch it, and you can't eat it. cinnamon pills and be out in the sun for 10 minutes and get rid of cancer. Yeah, the biggest thing is that. My cancer especially, like, is the most curable form of cancer. So, like, when he was telling me that, I'm like, have you even done research on this shit yourself? You're just, you're basically pitching cancer as one thing. Like, a lot of what you research was probably specific to that type of cancer. Like, it's all, it's all classified as cancer but the how different it is on every level with every disease it's like almost a different disease with different organs it affects like it spreads the same way and grows the same way but the way you treat it's light years different like breast cancer treatment is like probably like five times as long as uh testicular cancer treatment is 
right. it's almost just as curable, but it just takes a long ass time. Right. So you decide to go forward with the chemo. Yeah. So I do my own research, and basically what I de- was delaying it for is just that I was scared, essentially, and like even going into chemo. Every type of chemo is different. So, like, the chemicals that they're putting into you and the preconceived notion of chemo that I had was that it was going to be, like, painful and, like, torturous to go in there and do it. But it really was pretty chill, to be honest with you. So the first thing they have me do is they have me install a port. And that, like, thank goodness for ports, dude, so they don't have to prick me all the fucking time. So they plug me into a giant bag of chemicals every day. And they're, um, like, for, like, eight hours a day. And going into it, like, they were, even the doctors were telling me horror stories about how bad it was going to be and, like, how much shit my body was going to go through. And so I prepped myself for that, and I, like, started being super active. I was like, all right, I've seen Lance Armstrong, dude. What he did was just rode bikes when he did this shit. And he was probably on the same steroids that I was on, dude, like for chemo, and was balling out on cyclists because I could work out like a beast. Like the shit they put you on is no joke. Like it makes you very round in the face and like makes you put on weight, which is good to help your body fight the chemo. But it also gave me a whole bunch of energy. Like I was geeked off the like my chemo days with extra long chemo days i'd be up all night i mean you were still really active too yeah i mean there were times where you know you and i actually still went and hiked mm-hmm. after before the first i even few started weeks, to lose my hair the first few weeks even even after i have a picture yeah. of you eating corn on the cob with no hair yeah right yeah at farmer's market uh-huh in the middle of just that, acting super path. normal with super cancered out yeah dude <laughs> just riding my bike and shit dude, and, and no i mean and again this is one of the reasons why i want to talk to you about it because it was like the spirit that you kept you kept up it made it it made it seem insignificant mm-hmm. which i mean it is it I is bu- if it's if it's i belittled my cancer dude <laughs> yeah and, and and it is and it is insignificant if all you had to do is get it snipped and then you know let's say it was over it's a big deal for the time frame you know what i mean mm-hmm. but if you thought to yourself hey okay you're 100 percent good now it, it'd be a different story so you're going through chemo yeah and you're and taking it like a champ and truthfully and is there anyone without giving up without giving too much personal details about anybody was there anybody in particular that you bonded with in chemo did you see specific people all the time no um chemo was very sporadic like never really happened at the same time it was just really whenever they could schedule you for that week they just fit you in like a puzzle because each day it's a different amount of hours each day is a different amount of chemicals and that takes you to different nurses the way they have it set up so you're never you're never with the same people and i thought that i thought that's how it would be too that i would like get to like talk to a lot of people I didn't really talk to anybody because I was lucky enough to have my like a parent or a sibling with me almost every single day and I was like rarely ever alone I was like they'd leave for like an hour or two and then someone else would come so 
I bonded more with my family members through chemo, and I wrote a lot. I wrote my blog, um, The Testicular Testimony. Look it up. Gold. Yeah, let's plug that. Testicular Testimony. Is that, what is that, WordPress? Yes. Testicular Testimony at WordPress.com. What's your handle, too? Give them your handle. My handle is the life of Mike one five on Instagram and what's the page that you run um, for people that want to read about some odd Browns facts? Yeah, if you want some Cleveland Browns hot takes, we'll plug that as well. Uh, Brownstown turnaround. I just started doing videos, and I think that's where I'm going to be gold. Um, especially when my beard grows back, probably gonna have a lot more positive yeah, feedback on that. Yeah, this motherfucker looks like the Joker right now. It's scary. We actually decided against a vlog for our first go because, um, of, because of his facial hair. I was like, no, man, it's Brownstown, fine. Brownstown, turn around, you bitches. I have two GoPros in the room. They're turned off. <laughs> okay. So, chemo, you wrote, my family. You wrote a bunch. You wrote a bunch of yeah, stuff? Yeah, I wrote a bunch, and I just wrote about my experience and what I was going through at that time, and it was really raw emotion, and, like, that helped me just to... And I think I'd, I'd like, turn off that side of me sometimes because it helps. It's therapeutic to, like, release what you are truly feeling and, like, capture that raw emotion because I would write while I was in there. And I would either be writing about the day before or what was going on right then would inspire me. And there's just some really good things that I'll go back and read one day that I'm going to be like, damn, and impress myself. And that's what, like, just, like, the the bonds I made with my nurse also. Like, she was a, she was just so nice. She reminded me of my mom. So it was like I had two moms. My sister was there. <laughs> I was like, I was getting so spoiled, and that's what made it cool, too, is just that the people who are doing that for a living, they know how to make people, like, make it easy for you. But even the nurses, and I can't say there's, like, some secret diet I went on. To be honest with you, I drank. Like, I... We got margaritas, and you ate two orders of wings? Uh Uh-huh. And some mozzarella sticks? Yeah, dude. So I wasn't, I'll let you have some of my mutts. Yeah, I wasn't taking it easy, like, on the diet. Like, towards, in the middle of it, I started to, because your digestive system starts to really take a turn for the worst, like, the second session of chemo. So, like, I had to start watching what I ate and everything a little more. And I almost wish I would have taken it more serious, but, like, the way it worked out, like... I impressed my doctors, I impressed my nurses, they were all saying how well I was taking it, and I can credit it, No, there's no secret besides, I just, the whole time, like, unwaveringly believed in the fact that I was going to beat it, and there was just such a relief in having a purpose every day. Like, my sole purpose that day was to get through what I had to get through, and then the rest was like a cherry on top. Whatever else I could do that day was a cherry on top. But it didn't it didn't end with just the chemo. I mean, you had to get chemo and then despite the way you felt about it, what ended up happening next? You mean my surgery? Yeah. So, um I go through chemo 
and they um, they have to tell me like they have to wait. I think it was a month. I have to wait a month to find out like how chemo did on my body, and they were really happy with the chemo, but they like they were hoping that the tumors that were on my lymph node shrunk, and um, they went back in and they found that one of the tumors hadn't shrunk enough and I actually still had like cancerous tissue on the spermatic cord that the doctor had left in there. So it could have even spread to the lymph node from those spermatic cords that were left in there from the beginning. So they didn't really know that I had this second tumor the first time around. And my second round of scans after chemo got me the um, results of the, having that second tumor. So the, I either had the choice of getting the surgery or they could try and do more chemo to get it. And the like, statistics were overwhelmingly to get the tumor taken out before it spreads. Because after that, it could spread to stage 3, which is your lungs, which is really, really, really don't want it. Because that's when the stats start to drop off. You lose like 25% of your survivability once you go to like the lungs. And then stage four is it essentially spreads to your brain and there's really no coming back from that. So <clears throat> when you go back and you have this second surgery, uh-huh. um, what all are they taking out? They're just taking out the spermatic cord and some lymph nodes? Yes. So they How many lymph nodes did they take? They took all four in my lower back. So there's four lymph nodes in your lower back, like behind all your organs and your intestines. There's like a wall before your bone, everything. And, and they went in. They went in through your belly. Yeah. To they, get these. They cut me open from my nipples to my dick to. Um, to get in there, and I'm fairly certain and I would have to actually research the surgery but I'm pretty sure like pieces of my insides were like on the table for a while like they take out your intestine and then they move the other stuff to the side whoa so they can have me completely spilled on the ta- on the operating table and they went in there and cut out the four lymph nodes and usually Um, there's only five doctors in the country that can do this surgery without damaging the nerves that, um, control, like, ejaculation. So, that was a scary thing. Like, I had a very good chance of never being able to nut ever again. Like, straight up. Yeah. And, um, so that's why I had to freeze sperm, which is a whole nother story that we have, we have to go down that path now, don't we? Yeah, we'll get, we, yeah, we'll go, we'll go, uh, we'll go, yeah, let's go there right now, actually. I, I, I'm kind of mad that we skipped that because I didn't actually know about this. Yeah, so. I haven't heard this. So. This is, this is new. This is a hot take. Ooh, I never Ooh, even, got a hot take. I never even wrote a blog about this. So, um, you never heard the jerking off in the... No, man, you never told me shit about this. Okay. You know, you know my memory, too. I yeah. remember seeing... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I so... I remember this story. This all happened really fast, and so in in the midst of... Well, before they even took my nut out, and kind of think back on it, like, why the fuck didn't they tell me to do this? But, um, I did it one time before I had my nut removed. And, because that's the only time I had. 
you have to give yourself 24 hours to like your balls to recharge. So you, I had enough time for one shot in a cup and then I had to get surgery. So, um, I'm trying to save the, my kids' lives. It's a real heroic fucking story. I'm trying oh to, I'm trying to save the fucking kids, man. So, uh, my mom's real just encouraging of it. And I've been this just killing is the, mine for years. Um, America's health system at its finest. They consider it a luxury for you to be able to save your right to reproduce. So it's considered a luxury and not covered by insurance. I mean, that is a luxury. That's not a fucking luxury, bro. <laughs> that sounds like a luxury to me. That's a human right. Meh. 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 I mean, what was the alternative, you know? Uh, high chance that I can never reproduce again. No, I mean, like, in the world that exists where maybe they didn't treat you at all, but they retained, you retained a, a reproductive right, is that better? Because to me, it's like, I'm not, you know, like, worst case scenario. If yeah, like, I'm hey, just mad insurance <laughs> didn't pay for it, for real. <laughs> That's yeah, all I'm dude, I'm, no, I, 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 So, it costs like 900 bucks to get this shit frozen, and Whoa. so... So I go to, like, I look it up, and there's a Cleveland Clinic one that's, like, down in, like... I honestly thought it would be more money than that. Yeah. It's 900 but it, you have to pay rent. I have, I'm paying rent for my fucking oh, kids. Shit. If my kids ever listen to this, I'm paying for you right now, you pieces of shit. And I'm never letting you win in basketball like Gary Vee taught me. I will fucking block your shots until... You can score on me. That's when I know you're re- you're ready. You never let them score. Never let them score. But when they can finally score on me and I can't do anything about it, I might as well. That's just when hang you out. stop playing. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, son, you're de- you're good. All right, all right. So anyway, um, go in and it's very odd because everybody knows why you're there, and it's literally a sperm bank, like a. Uh, Sperm banks specifically for not, like, they don't pay people to jerk off there. It's not one of those ones. It's not where people pay to go have babies. It's, like, a sperm bank for people that are sick and trying to save their kids. So that's what they're there for. And then all these students are in there. And I hate to make it a racial thing, but literally everyone in there was Indian. And I was just like, is this like a specialty field that's like a niche that nobody wants to be in? Like, I don't get it. But um, they would be hosting classes in there. And I would walk in there. And I would. everybody knew why I was there. And they were all going to study my kids afterwards. And fucking... So I... Uh, so I... Like, this is how I knew something was probably wrong anyway. Like, my sperm was already somewhat, like, pretty dead. So, um, it's yet to be seen what the results are now, but the funny part of the whole thing is, so you walk in, tiny little waiting room, nice Keurig, it's a nice touch, I might add, but, um... They, you can get a coffee mm-hmm, before while, you jerk off, yeah, or while you jerk off, you're like, yeah. <laughs> hey, it takes 30 seconds to get ready. Alright, so they have a room, and the room is like a real stiff, like, wait, it's like an old waiting room that they converted into the jerk-off station. So, <laughs> oh my God. so they have like a really, like, like, 
sanitary is the best way to describe it coffee table like bare bones like it's like metal legs and like just a plastic top and then everything's like plastic covered like those rooms that people don't want you to sit like when your grandma has a plastic covered couch and you're just sitting in there knowing damn well you're not the first guy that sat in there and beat his meat and they and they got magazines in there and then there's a bathroom and you can turn the lights off and the lights are already off and they don't they aren't like it's like kind of like weird and like there's magazines there and you think about it and you're like man i haven't jerked off the magazines in like a hundred years so i'm connected automatically <laughs> to like uh, i'm connected on i'm connected automatically to the wi-fi and so i go on and this is really twisted too I'm about to watch some porn. Like, this is fucking 2017. I'm going to watch some porn while I jerk off into a cup. And the, that's the funny thing. They give you a cup, and they tell you to get it all in the cup, and then they ask you if you got it all in the cup, and you just have to answer these questions. So um, she's like, I forget. It's just an awkward encounter because she has to lead you into the room and show you where the magazines are and tell you that there's a bathroom in the back and tell you to clean up after yourself is there there, um i've always wondered do is there like a no lube policy i don't remember if there i'm a no lube guy so oh yeah i'm in for a dry handy ladies if you're into it uh just it's there's a there's a delicate touch you gotta have a loose grip all right oh man no yanking my skin off all right Oh, oh my god Okay. Dry so, handies, I'm into it. Try it if you haven't. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. So you have you you you're in there. You, you you get it over with. You said the sperm was kind of fucked up. Did it look fucked up or something? You said it was like half dead. How how? What do you mean? So I want a description of what half dead sperm looks like. I'm kind of worried. Uh, well, mine's a little yellow and runny lately. So just, <laughs> no, no. I ate a lot of pineapple. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck's going on. You got you got a weird concoction going on over there. You got well, I had gonorrhea, so it might have something to do with that. Is that the shit where they fucking smash your dick between two wooden plates or whatever Look, the fuck? What I do in my own time is entirely up to me. Didn't okay. we talk about that he was into getting sat on earlier? He's nope, into it, I'm ladies. Si- I'm a sitter. No, he's the sitter. The sitter. <laughs> he's he's into girls that like to get smushed. If you're into that, uh, come get smushed by Matt Dick. You heard it here first. Nope. This part's getting cut. <laughs> cut the tape here. No names. No names. No names. No names. <laughs> oh, coming up off my name. He wants to, he wants to get smushed, ladies, or he wants to smush you, whichever you'd prefer. I'm not into getting smushed. Smushing. Okay, so isn't that what they used to say on Jersey Shore? Smushing. Yeah, no, that's the uh, the um, smush maybe. room. Yeah, the smush room. Yeah, I I, I don't know. We're never, in the smush room right now. I've never. I didn't, I didn't watch Chelsea smush and Dave either. fucking here when they're trying to get frisky. Ew, <laughs> that's a terrible thought. Cut that out. I don't want Dave to hear that one. I don't even want. I don't even want that memory. <laughs> you just put a picture in my head. I'm never gonna be able to get rid of. Which is even worse than you, like, karate chopping your dick okay. in this fucking room. Okay, okay, so you're done You're done with your dry handy. No, no, no. No, let's get back to the Wi-Fi situation. So I'm connected to the Cleveland Clinic's Wi-Fi automatically. I'm big time. Shout out Cleveland Clinic Wi-Fi. I go, I like, go comment, there. subscribe. I go there all the time, and I fucking, I'm automatically connected to their network, so... 
Yeah, I'm trying to save myself on some data. I think it's pretty fucked up that in the fucking room where you're supposed to go and it's completely fine that you're jerking off, you can't have access to porn in that room. I got hit with the Cleveland Clinic blocks this website trying to go to fucking XNXX. So, fucking... Man, you gotta go porn MD. XNXX is so old. No, dude. XNXX, XNXX is so is 2007, so... bro. Yeah, I know. I'm just lazy, Let's level dude. up your game. I don't okay? like... Le- I don't do it that Shout much. Shout out PornMD. Like, comment, subscribe. <laughs> Shout out the best randomizer function. You know what's weird? I actually found a girl that I knew personally. He through, always says this, dude. Not, through that site. porn stars, dude. I can't name names. I don't want them coming up off my name. Coming up off my name. But they know they're out there. Shout out. Shout out to you. All you know right. who you are. <laughs> but, uh, Did you see how hear how d- seductive he said that? We talk, we, it's weird because we talked about it after. It got really... It was sad. Okay. We'll save um, that for another Matt's day. Matt's making me feel weird inside, guys. That's a worse, that's a worse conversation uh, for another day. Alright. So, so I get blocked by the Cleveland Clinic Wi-Fi. And so I... PornMD. I go, I go on my data... I do what needs to be done. I feel kind of weird about the porn that I watched at that time. Yeah, what is what is the standard porn for the jerk off in the the first time? Hospital? What did I jerk off to? Yeah, if you you want a hundred percent, you want to know a hundred percent. Yeah, stepmom. I'm into the older chicks, and it's not a weird. Really, it's not like don't fucking freak out, you weirdos. I don't want to fuck a mom. I want to fuck a milf. Like, I want to fuck a woman who's, like, 20 years old. I always think those stepmom teaches stepdaughter how to ride a dick videos are, like, hilarious. Yeah. Whoever they, thought of that the concept? The role play is Genius. Funny. Hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect idea. Oh, it's Because a- who hasn't had, who hasn't seen their, like, girl that they're fucking's mom and, like, thought that? You know what I'm saying? It's a, it's a thought that crosses your mind. That's the reason a porn... Is a porn. It's a porn. Billion dollar industry, just me, right? To cri- quote Chris Rock. There you go. Tambourine. So, Shout out Tambourine. <laughs> like, comment, subscribe. But, um... He talks about being addicted to it. That's fucking hilarious. But, uh... So I nut in this cup, and I get a good amount in it. But it's like a combination of... All of, of it, like, right? Yeah, I got she all of it. She asked you. Yeah. <laughs> so she, be a liar. We'll get to that. So... <laughs> So I got a little bit on the brown paper bag, which I felt bad about, because you hand them the brown paper bag, so they see like a little bit of droplet on there, and they're like, they're like, oh, I know what that is. Oh, nah. no. <laughs> so, uh, so nice. I nut in this cup, and it's like a, I'm trying to compare it, like a, you know the Tupperware containers you use that are only good if you're trying to put like salad dressing in them, like the tiny ones. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, the little, it's the like little clad ones. Yeah. Okay. So Google it if you're trying to visualize it. <laughs> but uh. Oh my god. But uh, they I um. It's I'm, a screw top, right? It's yeah, not a push it's top. It's a screw top. Okay, it's a screw top. Sure. Right. And it, I could it had a it had a um do not use if seal is broken <laughs> label on it. <laughs> I would hope so. So um, I uh, nut in this cup and you I it was like a combination of when you're not like you're not on top of your game. It wasn't the best nut in the world, and you don't fucking uh, you don't get much in there. And pretty sure at this point my balls are struggling real hard. So um. 
I nut in the cup. Next day, I get a call that they're like, oh, this and this amount, like, was dead. Like, we were only able to save this much. So, something was going on down there. And, um, so I get my nut out the next day. And then I have to go there and try and muster up some ball sack courage with one nut afterwards and try and um, save some sperm with one nut. How soon after are you going in there again? Um, I wait. I had to wait until my ball, like nuts. Okay, fu- or I my was like, fucking, fuck, cause I got man. surgery, and I didn't. <sighs> I didn't go right back in because my dick didn't work for a while after surgery. So like I couldn't fuck and like I was fucking this real freaky girl. She's trying to fuck me with this big ass incision right by my dick, and I'm like, "You're fucking crazy, bitch." I uh, nah, she can never hear this. Fucking get sued or something. Hey, no one. You didn't name names. It's a fictitious <laughs> person at this point. No one. No one's real. Nothing's real. But um, You're the yeah. Only one. So we fuck and uh, probably before I should have for sure. Like. Like, I got wood, like, four or five days after surgery, and it hurt so bad. Because they had just, like, went in there and literally jostled around all the tubes that are connected to you. It's like, I was, like, phantom nutting. Like, because, <laughs> like, I could feel the pain, and I can still sometimes feel, like, the pain of, like, where my nut would be. Because it's still healing in there. And like, So that was actually one of my questions. If you got phantom nut pain. Yeah, I do. So I, I'll have, like, a throb, like, right down the canal where they removed everything. Cause wow. Like, yeah, so, like, everything that's gone, like... Is it a, is it a very, body. is it a very, um, is it a very precise feeling, or does it, like... It's, like, uh, pressure, and the first couple times it happened, I didn't realize what was going on. And it's, like, it's Does it actually feel like healing. a ball, though? Or does no, it feel like, okay. No, it's not like I can still feel my nut. It's just the, it's more so the, like, the socket that, like, my nut cord's plugged into. They always talk about phantom limbs, and I just wondered if it worked like that with balls. If you no. could ever, like, get the weird feeling. Mm-mm. I think just the canal that everything was removed through is sore still. Still healing? Yeah. So, um, so you go back in, you're all healed up, your dick finally works again, mm-hmm. you're in there round two. Okay, so round two, what are we, what are we watching? Uh, surgery, you mean? Oh, round two at the... At the, at the gotcha. sperm clinic. So... Or do we go back to, ste- is the stepmom's two, backdoor patrol? No, what are we, I, what's knows, on? Who knows what I watched that, that one doesn't stick out to me as much, because this time I'm a little more comfortable, I know the deal, like, I'm <laughs> like, going in there. You're like, like don't even show me, stuff. I know where the magazine's are, like, I'm not using I would, one. like, hold off, I was like, I was like, alright, I haven't nutted in, like, two weeks, like, this is about to be a good one. First time I go back, so this, this is the second time overall, I go back, and I'm all juiced up, it was a good one or whatever, they killed it. They left it out for too long, and it died, all of it. So they give me a free third shot. And fucking, uh, so I paid for two, and then they gave me a third one for free. And, uh, because they fucked up the second time around. So, um, I go back, and they were able to save a decent amount the third time. I think a little less than the first time, but way more than the second time, obviously. So I think I have enough for, like, three tries to get someone pregnant in the future if I need to. So, 
the book the I, I think I'm fine. But I mean if you yeah, like, if it worked after the fact. Yeah, then you're so fine. the back to the surgeon, the surgeon um after surgery, so I go through an eight, nine hour surgery and um trippiest experience ever. And uh the doctor goes and talks to my parents after he's done and this I'm still zonked in the surgery room. This is right after surgery. They uh they're asking like how'd it go? Like did you get everything? And um, that's what my mom wants to know. Like, did you get everything out? And, like, he said yes, and he removed some, like, cancerous tissue that was around my lymph nodes as well. And the whole, like, spermatic cord that was connected that had, like, points of, uh, like, tumor tissue on it. So I had, like, multiple, like, cancerous spots and tumors that you could consider. Like, they just weren't big enough to consider it a tumor. So... But I had a lot of cancer growing because the cancer I got was very, like, fat. Like, testicular cancer can be cured pretty easily, but it's a bitch. Like, it spreads fast. That's why they treat it so hard. So, um, they go in, they take all the lymph nodes out, and then the real adventure begins. So, I go in, and I have this surgery, and, dude, I was terrified. And I had, like, put it off for, like, an inordinate amount of time. And, like, really the only reason I delayed it was because I was scared of it. And I didn't really do any research to figure out how invasive it was going to be. And I didn't really prepare myself because I just... Sometimes I'd rather just deal with it when it happens than get the dirt gory details and scare myself. Yeah, definitely. But, Avoid the nervousness. Mm-hmm. The anxiety. But then it hits you like a ton of bricks when you're outside the surgery room and I'll never forget this there's a real another real surreal moment and it's almost now that I'm saying it out loud it comes full circle I'm sitting there at the in this like hallway and I'm in a bed and I'm all IV'd up and I'm ready for surgery and I'm terrified at this point the whole reality setting in that I'm about to go under the knife and like I come to grips with mortality at that moment that's the moment where I was like okay like this is the most invasive surgery that I've ever had in my life, like, that I can remember. Like, I had a stomach surgery when I was, like, six weeks old, but don't remember that. How old are you at the time? I'm 25 years old. 25 years old, and I finally come to grip, grip like, grips with my own humanity in that moment. And I'm sitting there, and it's like a... In this moment, are you, are, this is, you actually are questioning your mortality for the first time? Like, I'm coming to grips with the fact that I might die. Like, and I'm okay with it at that point, where I'm like, okay, if I, like, like, if I go into this room and I don't come out, like, it's whatever. I mean, to be fair, if you're gonna die, that's probably the best way to go. Because that's some good money, most likely. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's My family's getting paid money. if I go down like that. <laughs> Like, at least someone's going to make do. You know, I'm not yeah. saying there's really a good way to die, but... Yeah, it's not a, it's, it's not as heroic as I would like it to be. Well, well yeah, it's but, not necessarily uh, fighting a tiger or anything like that. But. Yeah, I come to grips with the fact that, like, okay, like, I'm, I'm happy with my life at that point if I die. And right. so that's what the, I come to that moment. And it, you can't describe it. There's no way to, like, vividly tell it, but... This, it was early morning, like 8 in the morning, and the sun was just coming up, and it was like a nice morning for the time of year it was, because it was like December when I got this done. And it was like one of those hallways where the 
windows on the walls aren't like right there they're like only like two foot windows coming from the ceiling down you're in like a lower level and it's right by the surgery doors and they just leave me in the hallway for a minute for whatever reason to like get the room ready and they like leave me alone and I have like a moment to myself to like take a deep breath and like I must have been really nervous because when they when they took me in and they tried to put me under and I I must have been kind of freaking out because they they like it took a minute for them to get me down they're like they like started getting worried they were like they're like okay just like breathe in deeply like I wasn't getting enough of the like sleep gas and um so I wake up obviously I like just seems like 10 seconds to me and I wake up 10 hours later and I went in at 8, and it's, what, freaking 6 o'clock at that point. And then I'm fading in and out of consciousness, and I'm in the surgery room, and I'm not really hurting or anything at this point. I'm super numb, and just like after the other surgery where I'm cool. And um, so I make it through the other side after having, I made it, like I'm not dead, so hooray. But um, I'm talking to the, and it was pretty cool. So before, let back it up a second. Before I went under surgery, um, there was this doctor that came out, and he's like the head resident. It's not the doctor doctor yet. And um, the head resident comes out, and he's like, what kind of music you want? And I was like, dude, I want some rap on, bro. And he puts on, I forget, uh, damn, I wish I remembered what song. But it was some 90s, like, hip-hop, like, real I hip-hop. You with real millionaire shit. <laughs> it wasn't go, Tupac. If it was go. Tupac, dude, I would have been so... It's Biggie. Well... Hey. Oh, oh, I, fucked I up. got him! <laughs> womp, womp, womp. Womp, womp, womp. I'm gonna add some sound effects here when I fucking feel like it. Alright, so if it was Tupac or if it was Biggie, then I would, uh, I would have been cool. But it was like some like jump around shit or something like that. Jump around! Jump around! Oh, was that? Was yeah. it that song? House of, isn't that House of Pain? I have no idea, dude, but. <laughs> We're not gonna we're not gonna sample any more of that for copyright issues. <laughs> Go ahead. But um, so they put on some music, and they made they did a good job making making me feel comfortable. But what was weird is like like an army of freaking like doctors and residents and students and just people there to witness this because my doctor was such a big deal. And um, these are surgeries that people who are highly skilled get paid a lot of money for. So he um, he comes in and he's super like cocky almost, which I kind of liked. Like he's like he knows how good he is. But um, my mom that she uh, she asked like, did you get everything out? And um, he's like, oh, and by the way, he was like offended. My mom didn't ask if she if he saved my nerves. Like my mom doesn't care if I can nut or not. Like. It's not. That's not what she's. He, that's not. He was offended that he was she offended. didn't ask if you yeah, could not anymore. Yeah, my mom's like. My mom's like. I think your doctor's mad at me, and I'm like, why? Because he said, oh, and even though you didn't ask, um, yes, I was able to save his nerves. He'll be able to ejaculate naturally still. And I'm, I'm like, dude, my mom doesn't care about that. That's like, such a dude. That was a psychopath. Yeah. And I I'm mean, happy I hate that to, he's my doctor. Yeah. Like, those I'm, are the best surgeons mm-hmm. to have. To be yeah. fair, you can't really beat a psychopath because then he's not he's not gonna get attached to you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. But that's a psychopath. 
like, no, your mom doesn't care if you can ejaculate, you fucking moron. Mm -hmm. You amazing surgeon that accomplished more than I ever will in my entire life. As I sit here barely making enough money skating by interviewing my friends about their past diseases. Yeah, he's real opinionated, though. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck everything. Anyway, so he saves your nerves, saves everything, get the second surgery done. Uh At this point, you're clear. I didn't know I was clear yet. So they took everything out, and they still had to test everything, and I still had to get some scans. You had to get some scans. What kind of scans exactly were you getting? So, um, I'm pretty sure it's CAT scans they do. You drink this real nasty, like, fucking cleaning solution that lights up your nerves. or and lights. I, I have no idea the science behind it, to be honest with you. Not really my cup of tea. But um, you drink it, and it shows your organs better, I believe. Matt's currently choking on my pen. Shout out to the ch- to my connect. Um, to the vape connect. No name. The legal. No name. The legal vape liquid that's making me cough. The the completely legal substance that I'm inhaling. Shout out to legality. But um, cancer patient, don't forget that. So what was I on? We're gonna have that. <coughs> Cut this out. I forgot what's going on. <coughs> Baby lungs. Baby lungs okay. over here. So, now, the part that I want to talk about now, mm-hmm. you do get the call. Everything's cool. Alright, so we got to talk about the hospital if we're going to talk about anything. Oh, shit. Okay. I guess the I guess there's, there's a lot to be said there. There's the hospital rabbit hole is a deep one. We can definitely go down that rabbit hole too. Yeah. So my uh so my lymph nodes are taken out and I am in the waiting room for two and a half hours conscious after a ten hour surgery. And I'm with the res just the like low level residents at this point and an anesthesiologist to monitor me. So they're all getting sick of being there. It's like their twelfth hour of the work day too. And so they're, uh, they're trying to get out of there and they call up to the recovery room and the recovery room is not going to have a spot for like another two hours. So they like look at me and I'm like honestly fine at that point and I was doing a good job of hiding like how I was actually feeling as I normally do and they, uh, they send me just straight to the like post-op room to where I was going to be staying for the next couple of days till I recovered and when I get there... I don't have a chart or anything yet because I hadn't seen the recovery room. Nobody knows what surgery I had. And I don't even really know because I didn't do any research. My parents don't know because they weren't in there. And, like, so I'm um, I'm in the, like, room and I think I can go to the bathroom. But um, I kind of hate telling this story just because it's such a traumatizing to relive it. But hey, you wanted to go here. I was trying to skip. Oh, I'm not. I'm not saying to not go here. We gotta give them the whole experience. But um, so I'm split open from nipple to nuts at this point, and have straight stitches down my entire this entire center of my body, and. I can't feel anything because I'm still doped up from surgery. And 
I'm trying to tell them, the nurses that are like just getting me there, the only thing I want to do is pee. Like, I want to pee real bad. And little did I know, I had a fucking catheter in. So I'm trying to get up. Not only can I not get up, there's no chance in hell I'm getting up because of the the extent of the surgery. And they, um, like, the nurses don't know that. Like, they try and, like, actually let me stand up, which would have been so bad. Like, I would have, like, ripped myself open. And, um... So they tried to get me to stand up, and then I grabbed my dick, and I realized I have a catheter in my dick, and it was just such a fucking, what a feeling that is, and I'm like, I'm like, fuck, I didn't know about this, so like, I, uh, I'm like, weirded out about that, because a catheter, if you've never had one, it like makes you, it gives you the permanent feeling that you have to pee, and the pee just flows out of you, and you don't really even get the peeing sensation, it just happens. And it just sucks, and it's just stuck in your dick, and it's uncomfortable, and you just can't really do anything about it. And um, so you're living with the catheter in, you can barely move, and then the night time begins to where my initial nerd, like, so my sister's there with me because my parents bounce, like, they've been there all day, they go home to take a nap, and then they'll take the second shift, and my sister stays with me, so shout out to my sister. But, um, she's with me. Like, comment, subscribe. And I'm, uh, I'm fucking the biggest asshole right now. So, I'm very upset because no one knows what, what my pain plan is. And I'm starting to panic about the pain that's gonna set in. So, another thing is, they refuse to give me oral painkillers. Or any type of, like, IV painkillers. Like, no, I was, like, looking forward to just being, like, morphine zombie and fucking just being funny and, like, enjoying it a little bit. And, uh, because I've had those kind of surgeries before where you are. And they don't do that anymore. So I get an epidural, which is a whole weird sensation when they put that in your back. So shout out to all the women who get that for, uh... For pregnancy. Shout out, shout out. But, shout uh, outs all around. But, uh, <laughs> but, um, that feels weird just going into your spine, basically. And so I have an epidural and a button I can press, like, every 15 minutes to, like, send numbing pain medication through, like, my, uh, thorax, I guess. <laughs> what am I, a bug? But, uh, <laughs> but, um... <laughs> I, I, I have that, and that's all I have, and then they're like, oh, I'll give you some Tylenol. And I'm like, what the hell? And, and then you also got sick. Yeah. Right? I, so I was sick right before surgery. They almost thought surgery wasn't going to happen. So I'm split open, and on top of being in, like, throbbing pain and basically snapping on every nurse and every doctor because no one knows what my pain plan is, and I'm trying to get more painkillers because I'm like, this whole thing is going to start to hurt. Like, I'm going to start hurting elsewhere besides just, like, my ab section. So I'm starting to bug out, and they won't give me anything. And it turns out that the reason they won't give me anything is they don't want to constipate me further because my intestines also don't work. So they take your intestines out, and essentially they fall asleep. And it takes days for them to wake back up. So your intestines aren't working. You got to pee through a straw. You can't move and you're just bedridden. And you're relying on everyone around you for everything. 
So you just have to sit there, and I can barely even look at my phone or anything, and it's almost overwhelming the number of people that texted me during surgery and everything. And Yeah, I'm, I came up to try and see you, and I or I tra- tried to see you, and you didn't answer me for like three days in a row. Yeah. And then the day I asked you, I was like, so can I come see you? And you were like, uh, well, I might leave today. Yeah. I was like, okay, well, if you're not going to leave, can you, like, let me know? Because I want to come see you. Mm-hmm. And then you didn't text me, and then you didn't leave for, like, another week. And I was like, he doesn't want to fuck with anybody. Yeah, it was hell, He's dude. And I didn't. I just don't like people seeing me like that, and I don't know. Because I feel I'm a people pleaser, and I'm like, I'm not trying to entertain your ass while you're up here, like, and my parents are here, like, no, I'm like, leave me alone. Took me, like, seven days to let no, somebody people come are see trying, me. People are trying to please you. Yeah, I know. I I know. You gotta give up your role. I know, and it's scenarios. just, and also I just didn't really want to fuck hey, but with it's, anybody. It's I was you, a very you know. angry person at that point of in my course. life. Yeah. But um, so I'm just, I'm like fed up with the the lack of painkillers because I'm kind of bored. I'm like, I kind of want to buzz off something, bro. Like, let me get something. And um, so th- they get me up and walking the next day. Because that's enough time for the, like, your body's no longer, like, you won't split open if you stand up. You're sewn together enough. And they want me up and walking because the sooner you get up and walking, number one, the sooner your intestines start working again. Because you have to get the, like, gravity, essentially. And just think about, like, my sister described it the best. She goes, they just took everything out of you and rearranged it. All that shit's been in the same spot for 25 years. Like, your body's pissed nothing's in where the same spot where it should be. Everything's shifted a little bit because yeah. the lymph nodes are taken out. Mm-hmm. So you, I sit up, and my goodness, the, I've ne- like, picture your worst, like, stomach day, that moment of just, like, sheer agony of my stomach dropping into place, essentially, was one of the worst feelings of my life. And I instantly puke. And, like, this is when I start realizing that the staff there was kind of... Some of them were some assholes. So, and, like, shout out to them. Like, they all have bad days, too. And they probably get treated like shit because everybody's always in bad moods after surgery. So, um, like, the girl, like, I puke. And the girl looks at it. And she looks back at the puke bucket and they're supposed to measure it because there's not a lot of fluid coming out of you and they have to see like if it's bad or good basically and take care of you she looks back at me puking and she goes oh i'll come back later leaves and then later like 45 minutes later she asked me oh did you measure that like did you uh how much how much did you puke what color was it and all these questions i'm like i'm like didn't you did you not care while it was happening and that was just, like, the tip of the iceberg with these nurses. And it all came to a boiling point. Like, I'm, like, six, seven days in at this point. I'm walking around. I'm doing everything I can to get myself out of there because I can't stand it. And I couldn't imagine if I had to do inpatient chemo because there's people that have to do inpatient chemo, and they live there. Like, the few times I went to the hospital, like, when I went anemic and had to take the ambulance ride there and then fucking not anemic. That might be wrong. I don't know, but I had a high fever. And um, <laughs> you're not allowed to when you're on chemo because you're immune comp- compromised. Mm-hmm. But um, 
So, I'm uh, six, seven days in at this point. I'm walking around as best I can and pushing it a little too much just to get out. And um, I just want to take a shower. And I work really hard to get the doctor to put me in orders to get to be allowed to use my shower. He just says I can't come off my IV yet. So what they have to do is it's kind of a pain in the ass. They have to like saran wrap the IV so you don't get water in it. Yep. And um, so I, I just want them to do that. And this woman, and I'll never forget it. And I like it's the I'm never the guy who complains about service or like. If you're helping me, like, you don't even have to be nice about it. Like, I'll be nice to you. And But um, she just crossed the line. It's very hard to cross my line. Like, I what, let people walk all over me sometimes. So um, she, um, she, man, it pisses me off just thinking about it. So I, I just want to take a shower, and that's all I want. I've been laying in bed, and I feel disgusting, and I just want to take a shower. Like, I have to do it with my back turned. i got a giant wound on my chest. Like, I can't, like, even get water really anywhere, but I, I'm going to stick my head in there and figure it out. And she goes, she looks me dead in the eye, and she goes, if you want to take a shower, that's on you. And I was like, no, it's doctor's orders, and she said, again, that's on you. I'm like, what? And then, okay. Like, don't fucking challenge me. So I did it myself. I got my ass out of bed, put rubber gloves, tied rubber gloves together, and covered up my fucking, um, um... Man, fuck IV. this bitch. And so... What the fuck is wrong with her? So the next day, the doctor comes in to check on me like they do every morning, and it's my checkout day. And I was like, man, I never wanted it to come to this, and I appreciate everything you guys have done for me. But when this woman told me that it was on me if I wanted to take a shower, like, I've rarely ever been that offended in my entire life. Like, that was one of the most offending things that I've anybody's ever said to me. Like, that pissed me off beyond belief. And I was like, I want to file a complaint and escalate this to the highest level possible. And, um... Because then she went in front of me, and after she told me it was on me, like, had a conversation with another nurse, and said that, and this is a HIPAA violation, like, directly, she was talking about another person's orders, like, what they were allowed to eat, and what they were allowed to, like, drink, and or whatever, like, in that moment, because it's just stages while your bowels are coming back on. Like, this dude was drinking way too much water. You're not supposed to... You just got nowhere to go, so you can't just drink all this water. You'll just puke it up. And um, so he was drinking a bunch of water, and she was like... he's He kept asking for more, or like... And then wanted some ice, and they just... She just basically said, like, to, no, just stop giving him anything. Just don't answer him anymore. And, like, just real... The way she said it, it so, doesn't sound as bad as me describing it, but the way she said it in front of me was, like... Like, she runs this. Like, it was her show. I'm like, you're not the doctor. Is she older? Yeah. And, like, it was, like, a control thing. And, like, they were offended that my mom was a nurse. And they had, like, grown this, like, weird, like... Because she, she would, like, just ask questions and, like, kind of, like, make sure that, like... And I think they took it the wrong way. And they were like, oh, we don't know how to do our jobs. 
Now, <clears throat> so then you you get you check out. Uh huh. And I check out, and I went home pretty like too early. Like it. One was... thing I want to go over right quick: costs. Mm-hmm. Which is all said and done. What's the what's the number you're looking at when everything's said and done? It really depends. I had uh, my parents' insurance. I luckily I'm 25 years old and still on my parents' insurance. So for another shit, what day is it? And for another like 23 days. So um, the cost, legitimately, like I'd say, like the debt I have from it all said and done and it's still not over like I still got to go to checkups and everything but um the I had like, like a car that I don't have basically and like now you did have a kickstarter you still have a kickstarter yeah I have a GoFundMe. I don't even remember how, what the link is to go to it I did enough I'll I'll post one in the in the description yeah but um how much and I know you did reach your goal yeah, it's your initial crushed goal. it like seven thousand dollars or something. Crazy. How are you, with that all said and done? Are you still in debt, like about a car? Is that what it is when it's after the help that you've gotten? No, because I, I like. Or is that is that minus that? Then you're down to like what half a car? It, not you're still half a car, at... like a uh, still a pretty decent used car, we'll say. <laughs> but, a nice uh, Kia Optima 2014. Yeah. Okay. But, um, yeah, so it's not as bad as I thought it would be, but I have very good insurance through my dad's employer, so that was just kind of luck of the draw, and, like, it was kind of sloppy at first. I got really scared, because my mom had just retired, essentially, and her insurance had, like, not, it's not good enough to cover the family anymore, because she retired. So, um, I was in between insurances right as I got diagnosed and I had just bought a house. So it was a real scary time and these bills just stacked up and my dad's insurance picked up. So there is good health insurance in America. You just got to work for the right company. It's kind of fucked up. You got to work for a shitty, works his life away at this job. And then they you've done good insurance. You've done a pretty good job of answering the majority of the questions I had without me actually having to ask them. Um... But one thing I do want to ask, because I didn't think we really covered it, you know, in today's society, it's like they want to blame cancer on, like, literally everything. Mm -hmm. Like, you could get cancer from anything, they say. Yeah. Is there any special indication of anything that you were doing that, um, that is a cause for cancer, that a cause for this to happen? Is this something that's just completely random, testicular cancer? That's the mystery. So they have no scientific evidence of anything that's tied to it. They're just seeing an increase right now in its like prevalence, and they don't know what it's tied to. So and I want to point out for the people that can't see the guy, um, he's in great shape. Has been since before he was like, diagnosed. Mm-hmm. You lead a moderately healthy lifestyle. Yeah, I don't eat like strict, but I don't eat shitty, and it's just the way I was raised. You're also active. Yeah, super active and like overactive. Way you more. Still play soccer every yeah. week. So most you know, people we were climbing. Would... We were climbing. Uh, we were climbing. Um, I did more together. while on chemo than most people even think about. I remember playing softball, and being on like stage like third session of chemo. And I told some motherfucker that, like, mouthed off to me on the softball field. 
And I was, like, killing it that game. I had, like, three triples and was just murdering it. And this dude's, like, talking shit to me, like, bumps into me. And I'm like, I'm like, bro, I'm running circles around you. I have stage two cancer and I'm three months into chemo and I'm making you look like an idiot. Like, shut the fuck up. And I've never seen a more a look of, like... Did you, like, lift up your shirt and show him your port? Like, that's... No, I was... You could just tell, like... I was... Like, there's a difference between just a random bald guy and a person who has cancer. Like, you there, can pretty there, much tell. There is. There is a minute there where you... you and I, and I want to say something, too, man. You never looked weak. Yeah. But you look different. Mm-hmm. You never looked weak. It's really the, the drugs they put you on and the drugs they... The drugs that you do, like, not... Well, <laughs> smoked with a lot of weed, but the drugs that they give you during chemo and the drugs that they give you to combat chemo. Because 75% of the shit they pump you with is to counteract the 25% of the stuff they give you. So I was taking massive amounts of, like, anti-nausea medication. And, like, I had it real easy. I got sick a few times, and it messed with my digestion and made shitting really bad. Like, but, like, all in all, it, it, like, I don't know. I kicked its ass is the best way to put it. Like, I made every story that anyone ever told me about it look like a fucking nightmare. Because I made that shit look like a cake. Like, if you... I, to me, it felt like a cakewalk, but to the people witnessing it, they didn't think it was was. freakish. And that's what, that's my perspective on, on you. And that's, again, one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you Uh because that, that shit was freakish to me, man. Like, like I said, I think I was more concerned about it than you were. Yeah. And I I remember, I remember when you first found out and we were talking about it and you didn't tell Dave yet. Yeah. And Dave's, uh, you know, me and Mike, we met each other through a common workplace. Um, same with Dave. And we're all relatively close. And he did not tell Dave for a long time. And it was crazy. I mean, you just didn't want the attention. Mm-hmm. You didn't even want to talk about it. You just wanted to kick its fucking ass and get it over with. Yeah. And that's such a, that's such a huge thing. Um... So, I want to ask you two more questions, because we're pushing a little bit over an hour and a half here. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that really sticks out to me that I want to ask about, what is a what is a misconception that people have about cancer, about going through, even if it's testicular cancer, or spreading through your lymph nodes, what is a misconception about the process? What is something that went a lot differently than what you actually thought it would? I already mentioned chemo was a lot different than I thought it was. I didn't know it was literally just sitting there plugged into an IV for hours on end. But um, I guess cancer being an automatic death sentence is a stigma that needs to be done away with because not only... Yes, I'm admittedly, wholeheartedly, after seeing how the process works, they have it figured out way too much to a T that there hasn't been a breakthrough where they where they've at least cured some form of it like I believe that there is like the cure may be out there let's just say that (laughs) 
It's like aliens. Yeah, aliens exist. Nine Eleven was an inside job. And nine eleven was a fucking inside job. All right, <laughs> I'm that guy. Sue me, but whatever. I beat it, bitch. It but, looked like a controlled demolition. But uh, yeah, they um. There's way too many people that when they hear cancer, they think death. And that would be the stigma that I'd like to do people to do away with. And even if you are faced with sheer terminal illness and death, I think and I believe that it, it there are things that are perceived as being a death sentence that are beatable. And it, it just it is a matter of mind over matter at that point to where if you focus on there was never a time, and I just, the laser focus is indescribable, and it just came to me. Like, there was never a time throughout the entire period, even when I didn't understand the disease itself, that I gave up, or that I thought I was gonna lose my life, or I wasn't gonna let this beat me. And I never lost sight of that, and I never wavered from that. And because of that, I was able to power through it like it was nothing. I just lived my life. And I happened to have cancer. Cancer wasn't my life. So I, like, just it treated it as, like, a thing on the side. Like, cancer was my side hoe for a while. Like, I just, like, had it, and it was with me, and I had to get rid of it. So, <laughs> fucking, I don't know. Now, that's, that's the... That, now that it's over. Uh-huh. At least, you know, now that you have the, the situation that you're at now with your health. Mm-hmm. Is it a new lease on life? Are you looking at it with a fresh perspective and asking yourself how you can lead the life you really want to live? Or do you feel like life is more fleeting and that you need to be more present and enjoying your time here? Or is it somewhere down the middle? Right now, do you feel focused and determined to do something with the opportunity that you have? Or do you just feel more like overwhelmed with gratitude and you want to just experience life for what it is? I'm not going to sugarcoat it, man. I'm near, still at or near rock bottom. I would say that getting through chemo the way I did and powering through it in such a blur and like doing everything I've done, I haven't taken a breath and like it's we're not even a year out from the whole ordeal like it'll be it's still I'm only like nine months into it like I just had surgery and like I'm coming back down to earth at this point to where the reality of my life is kicking back in and it has me searching for that next thing to get laser focused about and that's what like when I played football in college and like doing this it's just that like getting into that mindset of like being obsessed with something at the end of the tunnel is it's powerful but it's dangerous at the same time because once you get there like it's that like that cheesy saying of like there's nothing worse than like hitting your goals like honestly getting there is awesome and it's a wild ride on the way there but once you get there and you come out on the other side, you're a little lost because you feel like you lost, like, all right, on to the next thing. Like, what's my next purpose? Like, you feel like you you had one thing in mind and you got there. 
and then you kind of don't know where to go from there and I would say I'm still there like I'm pretty fresh and there's a lot I still have some research to do in terms of like post chemo and post cancer depression and like the changes it makes to your brain and just the psychological effects of getting all that attention then having it stripped from you and then like the repercussions of how people were treating you while you had it versus now that you're kind of back to normal they're starting to treat you normal again and then um also just like i don't i lost where i was going with it but it's just um the it's a weird time for me and it's not, uh, I haven't been able to sit back and look at what I did yet. And, like, really, because I still have the anxiety of, like, my first scan after surgery is in, I think, like, three weeks. Like, the first week of April. So I still have to go back in and have a clean bill of health given to me every time and make sure nothing comes back for, I think, five years. So that's when they'll finally declare me like officially cancer free I am free of all cancer tissue as of my last scan and I didn't I haven't had any um, cancer traces in my blood but there's uh, I still have to go monitor it so it's uh hasn't even really sunken in yet my guess would be the best way to describe it <coughs> That's some heavy shit, yo. Yeah, yeah, that was. I went, I went on a, I but, went on a tangent. There. But that's the reality of going through that type of experience, and um, I think it's, I think it's, uh, it says a lot if you can go through that experience, be as strong as you have been, and then admit the way that you feel after the fact. Yeah, um, it's exhausting being the hero, and then. Oh, definitely. You gotta find a balance even there too there's probably times where i should have taken a back seat and Stuart scott has a great speech where he talks about like when he couldn't fight anymore he sat back and he let his family fight for him and that's super true with the days that i would because i not every day was perfect but damn near like i had a lot of good days like Sounds fucked up, but, like, I kind of had fun with the whole thing, dude. Like, I would sit around and just play on my computer, ate edibles while I was in treatment and got too fucked up and, like, freaked myself out and, like, played around with that. Like, I ate a, I ate a 100-milligram gummy bear in the midst of Cleveland Clinic, and I had gone there every day, and I fucking got lost because <laughs> I was so stoned. <laughs> but, uh... There's, um, there's one thing you just reminded me of motivational speaker says it um he says and he's a he's a motivational speaker he has no arms and no legs mm-hmm. and uh he tried to kill himself one time and um he wasn't able to do it but physically he couldn't make it work mm-hmm. i guess and um he said that in that moment he decided that uh if he couldn't be here for himself it was easy to be here for someone else. I always thought that was, uh, I thought that was a powerful statement. Kind of like when you take the back seat sometimes and let someone else take over. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think that shit's important. I think sometimes you gotta, 
take a back seat even if it's the harder thing to do for your own well-being. But what we'll do is um, after your uh, next scan, we'll revisit this. We'll add in. And then uh, every year afterwards, we'll do an update. Yeah. So this is the My first. My dick grew three inches this year, guys. <laughs> so this is the first year of celebrating. Chemo actually makes your dick big. Uh, if, ladies, Shout if out to Chemo. <laughs> like, comment, subscribe to Chemo. No, no, it doesn't. Don't, it doesn't, don't, doesn't don't do, do that. Don't do doesn't, it. Uh, don't, don't do it. It's bad. I do, not, it's bad uh, I do not advertise chemo growing your penis. That is a fake news story, as Donald Trump Fake said. news. <laughs> All right, everybody. This has been the first episode of Honest Dick. I hope you had a fun time. I know I did. Chemo makes your dick big. <laughs>